This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, CHBW listeners, this is Jamie Lee. Just a quick note before you get into the episode. This was recorded before, pardon my French, shit hit the fan with corona and everything happening in the world. So if you notice us referencing things that don't exactly apply to the way people are living right now, quarantined in their homes, that is why. We wish you health and safety and we hope you're doing okay and we appreciate you supporting the podcast and we hope that it brings you some joy during these super crazy trying times thanks and enjoy the episode forever dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends and they love sex and the city they couldn't help but wonder, do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Frenchies, so every single dude, all the dudes, and we couldn't help but wonder, with Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, couldn't Help But Wonder. wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to us. To us. To us. Hello, my dear. Hi, my dear. Who were you this week? Oh, who was I? Um, probably, ooh, probably a bit of a Miranda, uh, specifically, you know, when she's dealing with <laughs> the dog that her and Steve get together. Uh, yeah, I'm still kind of dealing with adjusting to the life of having two dogs um Sheffield is a true delight he's so floofy and poofy and he's great and very snuggly um however he does have these like erratic pee moments um yeah he's very good at going out on the lawn and he seems to understand potty training but then the other day I walked into my room and he was peeing on my bed but he literally like locked eyes with me while he was doing it, just like locked in and was like, Sss. and I was just like, no, Sheffield, no. And I don't understand it because he had just gone out to pee. So I was just like, why is he doing this? And I don't know if it's an anxiety thing or if he just kind of felt like it. Like, I really don't know. And Dan got very upset about it. He was like kind of flipping the fuck out. And I was just like, you got to calm down. Like this dog is he's a baby, a baby. And he's been through a lot and he's probably quite traumatized. And he's also very like shy um, at times. Like if you pick him up in a weird way, he gets really scared. 
Um, but then there are other times where you pick him up and he's fine. But he clearly has some residual trauma. I'm from, sure, he's a rescue. Yeah, coming. Well, yes, and an international rescue came over from China. So I think he's just, you know, he's sensitive and he's been through a lot. Yeah, and I was kind of like Dan, like you can't yet, like you can't fight fire with fire. Like yelling at the dog, maybe a different kind no, of dog. You can't yell at dogs if you. Well, with Dennis, like there was a level of like you're supposed to be stern with him, but also Dennis didn't come from a traumatic background. We've had him since he was a puppy. This dog is like a different beast altogether. So yeah, it was just really stressful. And um, yeah, so I guess I, I guess I'm a bit of a Miranda. Also, Miranda, I feel like, well, Miranda and Samantha both are always dealing with like career, career struggles and and whatnot. And I, I feel like, you know, I'm in the thick of pilot season. I'm auditioning a lot and it's just starting to like, I feel like I'm cracking a little bit. Like I tested for a show, which felt great and uh, it, you know that's like a thing that's cool to do and it definitely helps you and it helps like your whatever score within the game of pilot season to have tested but it is getting to a point where I'm like I really feel confident in my ability and I'm like why have I not gotten something and it's starting to kind of like I'm like do I need to be taking acting classes or something but I don't I I don't know. And then I have so many friends who have theories of like, no, like acting classes can mess with your instincts and, you know, it can make you like two in your head and you should just go with like what feels right. And when I watch the working big time, they all do all of it. Some people are like, absolutely no to acting classes. Other people are like, 100 percent. I have this guy. He Mm -hmm. coaches me. I can't see it really hurting. How could it really hurt? Well, I coach. I do coach one on one. So I, I have a, I have acting coaches. But I, the idea of like enrolling in a class where I go like the every Leslie Monday Con night or, or yeah, yeah, I just I, I think that I get a little anxious about that, and I that's my own shit. I just I've always I I don't know if it's honestly it might be like the competitor in me that's like I'm not doing that. Like hmm. I got to like this is a solo pursuit. Also like coming from a stand-up background, I'm very good on my own hmm. or I think I am. I don't know. But yeah, I'm just kind of in this zone of like, I keep getting really close to things, but not it's frustrating. Yeah. And I kind of don't, I'm trying to be as honest with myself as possible, but I, every person who I like all my agents and everyone, everyone's just kind of like, well, like you're really close. Like a lot of people aren't close. Like you're literally in a camp of people who are like about to book something. And I'm like, Oh, Okay. But I'm like, is this it? Like, this is what you do is just like you go on a million auditions and like Skylar and I literally like run lines to death every day, like every day. And I'm just like, what? this is crazy. But also I'm in a fortunate position where I have other sources of income. So I'm not in a place where if I don't book something, I'm fucked. Like, that's not what's happening. It's truly like this is a passion of mine. I think I'm good at it. I know I'll, I can do it. I've done it before. I want to continue doing it. So I'm just kind of caught at this crossroads of being like, this is crazy. Like, this is just crazy because the thing is, it is patience, I guess. I think so, because the thing that's interesting about acting is it is a skill thing. People that, you know, um, the cast of Friends is a really talented group of people. You know, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, when she got They're unbelievable. So and you're really talented and you're in a pool of people that are really talented. So. I do think skill and craft is part of it, like yeah. a big part of it. Um, but then if there's 
four or five people testing for one role. Every one of those people are talented. There's and no question. They tell question. you that too. They're like, but it's true. It is true, of course. And so I think the the challenging thing about acting um, is, and some I don't even know if it's if it's even uh, comforting, but whether or not a person gets a role or not, if they're in the mix and even if you get a callback, it means any one of those people could have done it. It's just some little thing. So if you're getting closer and closer and, you know, hypothetically one year you don't test and now you're testing, you are getting closer. You're moving closer. You yeah. know, it's like, it's just, it's frustrating to have no control over things. And not feel like I think that's also I think you just hit the nail on the head because it's also like every other area of my life. I do have that control, or at least in career. I feel like to a degree I have that control, like I'm making the things I want to make. And I have a show that I'm working on that's like my show. But yeah, I feel it's just weird. It's just a weird thing. I also sometimes this is going to sound like kind of up my own ass. I, I'm aware of that, but. There is like an intelligence thing with acting where I'm like, this is how I'm going to spend my time is just like memorizing lines like that someone else wrote. Like and sometimes it's great because there's great writers out there. I mean, there's so many funny scripts. Then there's so many that are like terrible. And you're like, this is crazy that I'm like spending my time like literally putting these words that I don't even think are good like about, into right. my bones right now. Like I'm allowing these words into my body and spending all day memorizing these like shitty words. It's crazy. It's a quite, it's, it's crazy yeah. when you break it down. I don't mean that I'm too intellectual for acting. I want to be clear. I'm saying that when you intellectualize, sorry, I can't what speak. What it actually is. When you intellectualize the life of an actor, it is, it's like embarrassing. It feels embarrassing. Well, because you have to be lucky to strike gold to actually work on something good. Because, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's actors who make a good living in their entire career. They're working on stuff they don't like. Exactly. Or, and that's another thing is I do feel like I want to do some. I want to be part of a show that I'm proud of. So I feel like it's like a double hurdle. Or I'm like, I don't want to just be on. Some CBS piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know. Of course. Like today I went in for this meeting and with my friend who's a producer and he was like, he was like, what is the long game here? Like, you want to, like, book, like, a show and, like, you want to just, like, be on a sitcom? And I'm like, oh, I never really thought of it that way because I think it's so rare that something actually becomes a hit with network TV. So I guess I'm just playing the gambling game because, like, I mean, what are the chances that I end up on Modern Family or the equivalent? You know what I mean? Yeah, there's very few hits now. So few. Yeah, because there's just too much. So I'm just kind of, and I think that also makes it feel a lot on your irrelevant. Mind right now. I'm just kind of like, wait, what is, what are we doing here? Like, all, what does this even mean? It does get into like a weird existential space. It's kind of hard for it not to because TV is changing so much and nothing means what it used to now with like all the new streaming platforms and stuff. So, anyways, that's a long way of saying that I feel like Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Miranda. Classic. Well, who are you? This week, I am a Miranda, and you had brought this up on some uh, episode, and I'm feeling it now. I'm um, doing a lot of, like, deep healing work, which mm. is awesome and great, um, but it's brought up some things that are difficult, which is what happens when you evolve and grow, and I've been doing some work around my dynamics and my patterns, and I always felt very clear about what I knew I had to work on 
and my romantic relationships, but I thought my friendships were like fucking locked down. I always had that. And I'm kind of realizing something that's hard to accept and realize, Mm. but important for change is that I think I do have quite a few relationships that are platonic friends that also remind me a little bit of the dynamic I get with men. Oh, that's interesting. How so? Like me feeling like I have to chase them or I'm putting in more effort or if I just stop calling or making plans, like would I literally ever hear from them? Like I have two friends in particular that like it's just and in a good way of like like seeing what's really there and what's really going on yeah. is like you know I have these patterns with men of like finding like the world's most interesting man who's like brilliant and interesting and fabulous and blah but like not really available mm-hmm. I have a couple of girlfriends like that who are like oh. some of the most fun amazing but like I don't really feel like are there for me and yeah. like I don't really feel like I can depend on them mm. and I kind of just did this experiment where I was like I'm just gonna stop calling them and, and texting them and trying to make plans and I literally just don't hear from them Yeah, and that's hard but the silver lining is I want my relationships to be mutual mutual and fulfilling and yeah. nurturing yeah. and supportive and if that's something that I'm not getting then it's hard to realize that but also like thank god because i can't change it if i don't realize it oh it's brave yeah it's not easy yeah and i'm like i've had i had that recently with a friend where i was like if i stop reaching out will i ever hear from them and i was like what was the result i haven't done it i get nervous oh i get nervous to like do the experiment oh i have but that's because um yeah i mean i'm in this place right now where i just really want my relationships to be loving and nurturing and supportive and healthy and to like be nurturing me. Yeah. And I don't think it's a good pattern, especially if I have this pattern in my love life of like trying to pull blood from a stone and like trying to get something that's not, that's, that's not gettable. I also do. And I know I always kind of come back to like shitting on LA, but I do think that part of it is a symptom of being out here and everyone is so busy and I don't think people are less busy in New York. Oh no, I'm not saying it's oh. a New York. Sorry. I wasn't saying New York busier oh. than they are in New York. I mean that I'm just talking about our experience right, right. living out here. I don't know what it's like in New York right. right now, but I think people are so busy out here. And again, I do think it's very isolated. I think everyone is like very much in their own zone. Like I was thinking about this week I am like, oh, I wake up, I work on lines, I see Skylar, I'm editing my show, I go home, I'm exhausted, I go to sleep. Like, I truly have had no life. And I'm not saying that, like, it's good, like, you need to make time for your friendships. But I think everyone kind of gets into this weird zone where they're like, yeah, that's like what everyone's doing, right? And it's like, well, and you've been a really good example of, like, pulling me out of my own ass and be like, no, like, let's hang out, let's go do something. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I wouldn't see people if I didn't. Like, I always am, like, under... I always feel like I'm underwater, like, quietly. I don't tell anyone, but I'm always, like, drowning, drowning. And then, yeah, and then I'm like, oh, but you have to... F- you have to stop yourself from drowning and, like, make time for people. Like, you have to. I get too lonely otherwise. Like, Yeah, I, it is. Lo- and, it, and it's lonely the other way, too, where it's like, you... Yeah, you're just gonna, like, not see your friends and, like, connect over something other than work. Like, that's not healthy. That's, like, disgusting. Yeah, I just feel like... For me, you know, it's interesting talking about this show. It's like, man, what they have, 
it's like though that kind of friendship oh i mean it's it's everyone's goals i mean it's like a dream yeah it's like more than anything else that just sounds so amazing so yeah even though i feel like miranda i i do feel positive and hopeful because i think that I know what I'm looking for in my relationships across the board and it's mutuality and it's support and nourishment and, you know, dependability and, you know, being there for me. Yes. So it's tough because I think some people are going to get phased out, Mm. but I think I'm going to be bringing the right things in. Yeah. I also, it's so funny when you said that about how like the core four, it's just goals like, or I said the goal part. But anyways, um, I think that, yeah, I have a friend who like lives in Texas and she's always posting photos of like girls night and it's like the same people she's known from college. And I'm just like, oh man, like. That looks so awesome. That's fucking great. Like they're also like old friends and you all like have a girls night. Like I I would have like girl night. Like it'd be you and me. I'm like, <laughs> girl what? Night. you know what I mean? I'm like, what am I going to do? Like I have to like round up all these like <laughs> random ass friendships I have and no one fucking knows each other and like assemble like some weird like ragtag team. Like so funny. Yeah. I mean, oh God. I mean, look, actually that's not true. We actually do know a lot of the same people, but you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know. Just, no, it's really it, it nice. It would not happen. It wouldn't happen organically. It would be like, hey, let's all get on a text chain and like organize a dinner. But it well, wouldn't just be like girls' night. You know who's there? Well, I have to say, Cindy. Instagram makes it worse. Trisha. Yes, there's one person in particular who. I, obviously, we should like talk about the show at some point. But no, no, no. <laughs> this one, is the show. I know. There's one person in particular that's popping into my head, and I think something that's hard for me is I get very close to people. I don't have like a lot of tiers of friends. I have people that I'm super close to and I love, and then people I barely know. But if that, I that see that sounds healthy to me, whatever, whatever it is. But the reason that that's hard for me is if I'm very close to somebody, it's hard for me not to hear from them regularly. Or if I'm going through something, it hurts my feelings if they're not calling to find oh, out what's course. going on. And so I have this friend that I used to be so fucking close with. And I see online and she's posting all these fun things she's doing with this other friend who's both of our friends. I God, I sound like a fourth grader. You don't. I do, but that's no, okay. Life is life is high school. Yeah. Like this is yeah. Adulthood is just it's just high school without the building where everyone goes every day. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's just it's hard to see on Instagram. You know, it's hard to see why oh, is everyone I mean, hanging out without me, as Mindy Kaling said. So anyway, the that- good news is that everyone feels this way, but everyone kind of does this posturing of like. Well, I mean, social media, is, Instagram specifically, is the ultimate posturing of being like, well, sorry that you're dealing with that. I'm not. We're all at a party. And like, no, they also have that. Everyone feels that way, especially out here. Everyone feels that. It's constant fear of being left out. I mean, truly. I don't know anyone who doesn't feel that. Everyone I talk to feels that. Yeah, I think for Life me. Life is lonely. Life is lonely. I feel lonely lately. Yeah. And I have to say... The good thing is, though, I feel like <laughs> sounds like a mad woman's rambling. No, it doesn't. But like, but like, I feel like I've tipped into resentment now with with putting a lot more effort uh, into. I wish I could get there. I'm yeah. still in the like, oh, no, miss me. No, <laughs> please miss me. No, no. Now I'm at the point where I'm into 50 50. I'm not having friendships that are 80 20. I'm not having friendships that are 90 10. You put in the effort that I put in and I am. And if you don't, I'm going to back the fuck up like. Oh, God, I'm going to get axed. No, okay, you're not. 
Okay, thank you. This was not for you. I'll tell you what it is after, even though I Oh, I know. I bet I I fear being axed. You're not going to be axed. Okay, thanks. Yeah. I'm going to be axed body spray. Girl, you're you're forever. Okay. Okay, well, let's get into the episode. Sorry, that was the most dramatic. Guys, sorry. We're... I'm a bit of a drama queen these days. No, you're not. It's so good. It's also so... It's a very healthy thing to talk about because I think... So many people feel this way. And I think with social media, there's so much social depression happening that we need to get to a place where we're all talking about it because I think everyone, I think people feel lonelier than ever right now. I, I really think that's, think that's a happening. society wide thing. Yes. Also, I do have to say, it's not the same as having a real life. Also, I was spoiled because I grew up with my best friend, who's my sister. Right. And we always lived in the same city. And I mean, that is somebody where it's like you could just sit on the couch and eat ice cream with and you'd feel like a whole human being. Right. And we're not. You know, she's in New York now. But I do have to say, it's not the same as having a warm human body that you love near you. But listeners, when you guys message oh, I and love that comment, you're gonna say this. it yes. actually does make me feel really good. Like you guys send messages about what you're going through or understanding what we're going through. And like in this lonely world for a brief moment, that's a nice connection. So thank you for sending those. Yeah, I do feel like with our podcast we are using social media for good, at least so far. It's been very non-toxic. Yeah, we don't even have people fighting in free. the comments. Yeah. yeah, it's been really, really great and um, just very civil and kind. So, yeah, thank you guys for being that type of community and not like, what's up? Buckholes, Rose and Jamie here with our skankhead listeners. Reach out to us, skankheads. We love you. And then they're just like, you guys are pieces of shit. And we're like, ah. Jamie, that was hilarious. (laughs) Well, there's so many podcasts that have like, there is that podcast in New York called like Legion of Skanks, literally. And it's like all of their listeners are just like, I mean, I don't want to throw shade because I actually haven't listened to the podcast. I want to be clear, but might be a great one. But yeah, it might be great. But we have amazing, amazing listeners. They're just everyone is just so I love you guys civilized and kind. So thank you. Okay, well, for anyone tuning in, this is a Sex in the City podcast. <laughs> you might be like, what? How? But it is. And um, right now we're covering season three, episode 15, called Hot Child in the City. The episode opens with a very big meeting. Jenny Breyer, a rich 13-year-old, has burned through all the power publicists in town setting up her bat mitzvah. Now it's Samantha's turn. She's not on board at first, but then Jenny starts dropping big names and an even bigger budget. Sam can't say no, and everyone catches up for lunch. Coming in for a landing, sister? Sorry. Cute guy. I thought he was checking me out for a second. Hey, guys, come on, stop. Oh, he's a cutie, all right. Yes, (laughs) definitely looking. Looking at you guys, looking at him like I asked you not to. Take your tray over there. What? No. Absolutely, why not? Because this isn't PS 147. We're adults now. She's married, for Christ's sake. We have to at least pretend to know better. So, I finally went to the doctor about my headaches. So look at <laughs> Which you're not helping. Thanks, because I've been trying to diagnose myself on the internet. You can do that? Sure. You just type in your symptoms, hit enter, and wait for the word cancer to appear on the screen. Anyway, turns out I'm a tongue thruster. Now, see, if you were a man, that would be a good thing. My tongue pushes up against my front teeth, so my bite is all off. My dentist thinks I have TMJ. Come on, you have to do something. I am. I'm going to the orthodontist tomorrow. No, I mean, he's really cute. She could write him a note. <gasps> I know. He's even cuter. You guys, 
I'm not writing him a note. Dear Mr. Cutie Cute. <laughs> you did not just write that. No, just your phone number. <laughs> I'm not giving my phone number. Oh, relax, TMJ. You don't have to. I'll do it for you. Carrie? Carrie? Go, girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry to bother you, but my friend Miranda over there. Oh my god. She thinks you're kind of cute. Well, please tell your friend Miranda to call me. Tell your friend Miranda. I know, why does everyone have to sound like Steve? She only has to date guys with really particular voice patterns. It's like side mouth. <laughs> so gross. Um yeah. Have you ever slipped someone your number? Absolutely. You have? Yes, I have. Ooh. I've also done this for a friend. A friend. Nice. How did um, it go? It was great. I think I've maybe said this before, but my sister and I were in New York and Brooklyn and she saw this guy she thought was really cute. So we were at a Japanese restaurant and we and I had the waiter send him a wasabi <gasps> martini. Cute. And then he came over to thank us. They exchanged numbers and they end up being friends. They're still friends to this That's day. That's so cool. Yeah. So I end up, I guess it was like a it ended up being platonic, but I just thought it was oh, so cute that we sent him a drink. It is. A wasabi martini. I've never even heard of that. Can you imagine how fun it would be for a guy to have a table full of cute girls send you something? Yeah. It also, just a funny side note, it's funny how all the women on this show refer to hot guys as cute. Like, I never call, I've never been like, oh, he's a cute guy. Oh, like, I do. You don't? He's cute? Oh, he's no. so cute. If he does something cute, oh, then okay. yes. But I would say, hot. oh, he's really hot. Or I'd be like, he's really good looking. Or he's really attractive. But I'd never be like, ooh, cute guy, four o'clock. Like, it just sounds so like. It's very infantilized. Yeah. And they all were like, he's a cutie. He's a big cutie. I was just like, he's a man. But he's they're like doing a, that because they're doing this fourth grade type of thing. Yes. No, totally. It's just like, I don't know. I feel like the, I think it's more just the language of saying cute. I feel like that is what I said in high school yeah 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 it's juvenile it is but it's also like it's kind of like adorable it's i don't know cute. it's kind of cute it's kind of like adorably old school totally yeah there's something sweet about it my gay friend uh in college him and a bunch of gay guys were hanging out at a diner yeah and saw a guy they thought was cute and they sent him a vanilla milkshake oh i mean like come oh <laughs> <laughs> To watch him drink it up. But he wouldn't drink okay, it. Okay, wow. I think that's hilarious. I d I, I'm sorry, but how was I supposed to make the connect? And that's not what cum looks like. Well, I think if a group of gay guys are sending you like this, yeah, cummy kind of thing. Cum, just kind of like a cummy. Cum adjacent. Cum adjacent drink. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever sent someone a drink or anything? No. Um, but I did have a fun, I witnessed a fun celebrity sighting. Ooh. When I was in college, Coldplay played... Um, at my school and it was right when he was dating Gwyneth Paltrow like the news just broke that they were dating Chris Martin and Gwyneth and after the concert I went with my boyfriend to this diner like off off campus like very no frills diner and I saw Chris Martin and Gwyneth eating in the diner and I was like oh that and also it's very cool to see that when you're not in like LA or New York because it's just like whoa this is like fish out of water these are two like mega celebs just like in my town on my turf and they were eating and then this girl like a young college student just like walks by and like slips chris a piece of paper and i saw him i don't know what it said on the paper but i saw him open it and like laugh and then he handed it to gwyneth and she read it and she was like oh my god so 
I don't know what was on that note. It's a real lost in translation. Like, what was? What did he say to Scarlett? Or what? Did, what was it? What happened at the end of the movie? Bill Murray. Bill Murray whispers, whispers to Scarlett. Yeah, it was like that. Where I'm like, what did it say? What it was on the note? Maybe but just a number. Maybe, or who knows? Maybe she was like, do you want to have a three way? A goopy little three-way. Who knows? <laughs> I'll bring um, the goop. I'll bring the goop. You bring the fun. So, yeah. I like this scene. It's so cute and fun. It is. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Mdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up and listening through your app. Um, Okay, so... Afterward, Carrie stops into her favorite shoe repair place only to find it is no more. What's left is a comic book store run by Wade, a shaggy-haired comic artist himself. He and Carrie flirt over Power Lad, one of his creations. A few days later, Wade sends Carrie his phone number inside some Carrie fan art. Inspired by Miranda, Charlotte gets into some online medical research. She wants to fix Trey's droopy penis, and she finds some info on a hydraulic implant to do it. Meanwhile, Wade and Carrie have a nice first date at at a Times Square barcade. Charlotte does her best to slyly give Trey her erection solution, but he's horrified. It's not going to work. After their date, Carrie and Wade share a little scooter ride over to his place. He wants to show Carrie the view, which she has to admit is stunning. How can comic book store Wade afford it? It turns out he can't, but his parents, who he lives with, can. Carrie's actually pretty cool about it later at lunch with Samantha and Miranda. On top of Carrie's news, Miranda has her own big lunch reveal. Her orthodontist gave her braces! Miranda takes her new braces out to her date with the guy from the cafeteria. She quickly gets a bunch of salad in them, and he makes a bad crack about how he'd pass on a blowjob from her. That is that. She's embarrassed, and these two are not going to make it as a couple. Carrie and Wade have another hangout with Wade's mom on her sunny balcony, and Charlotte and Trey head to counseling. Oh, this is so iconic. With some clients, I found it often helps to create your own non-threatening language with which to talk about sex. I'm not sure that I understand. Well, for example, one client rather whimsically dubbed his anus the chocolate starfish. (laughs) Are you quite sure you went to Yale? Charlotte, if you could rename your vagina... Something completely non-sexual, something that didn't feel threatening to yourself or Trey. What would you call it? Rebecca. Rebecca? Why on earth would you... Because it sounds nice, and I've always liked the name. Now you name yours. Oh, this is preposterous. Something with positive associations. Well... Trey loves to sail, don't you, Trey? Yeah, that's true. I do love to sail. So 
How about something like canoe? Canoe? Uh, canoe doesn't go with Rebecca. Well, what then? Uh, well, how about um, schooner? Schooner's good. Rebecca and schooner. Schooner's good, isn't it? Oh, that's very good. It's very good. Oh my god. Oh god. What do you I think? I know that's Jamie? a comedy scene, but man, that is a bummer. It's a fucking bummer. Yeah. Um have you ever been to a counselor or therapist who was just like not a match? Yes, absolutely. I uh, have bad anxiety, and years ago I went to see this woman who there's always like these new interesting like forms of therapy. Sure. It's always, you know, it's a practice that is always changing and there's new developments. So, yeah. you know, CBT and then there was ACT. So this one was an ACT therapist mm-hmm. and it was the dumbest thing in the world. Like I was, this was a few years ago, I, maybe like four years ago, I was having tons of anxiety and we were, I was just like in the place where I just really needed like some help. And she was like, okay, well, the next time you're feeling anxious, Pretend that you're like an animal in the jungle. I want you to look left and I want you to look right. And if you don't see a threat, that means you're okay. What the fuck does that I mean? I almost just like, you're like got the up and threat comes out. from within, bitch. The call's coming Bye. from inside the house. Yeah. yeah, what are we talking about? It was so goofy. Oh and my I'm like God. up for some goofs. Yeah, no, like, sure. I my mean, I'll goof do, tolerance same. is wide. Same. I'll do anything if it works. It was so stupid. And I was like... I was like in the middle of like an anxiety meltdown. I was like, you want me to fucking look left and right? And then that's going to solve my problems. Goodbye, bitch. Here's $150 or whatever. When I was in college, I I was also having a lot of anxiety. And I went to this therapist um, who operated out of like her home, which, you know, that's always a, it could be a gamble. Um, And I went in lots of like, you know, rugs and throw pillows (laughs) and I sat down and she just sat there staring at me. And I was just like, I don't really know where to begin. She was like, don't worry, it'll come. And I was like, just sitting there. And I really I was not experienced at therapy. So maybe now she needed you. She needed you. She needed to guide you. Yeah, it was also the first session. Like she didn't ask any questions. She didn't say, why are you here? Just the basics. Hey, welcome. Let's talk. What's going on with you? Nothing. Just complete silence. Then me being like breaking the inertia, like, hey, like what's going on? And then she's just like, don't worry. So it'll happen. Yuck. I was just like, what? I I don't need this is like she's almost treating it like a like I like like Whoopi Goldberg and ghost. Like, don't worry. Just like wait for the ghost to like take him, take upon your body. And like, no. Yeah. You're just like, I don't, this is not how a conversation starts. It's very shitty. Anyway. um, What do you think about people who give their penises and vaginas cute names? Have you ever named your, any body part of yours? Absolutely not. Do you think people actually do this outside of like a TV show? No, no, not. No, I don't. I, I, Except my favorite example of it is uh, Parud in Anchorman, where he calls his his balls oh, the octagon. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, actually, that's a really great example. That was maybe the funniest genitalia naming scene of all time. I don't remember it. Sorry. On crashing, we had one about naming my nipple hair. What Allie names her nipple hair. What is a nipple hair? I don't remember name? what I called her, but it was in episode six of season two, and I remember saying, "I have I have nipple hair." 
I call her. I don't remember what I call her. Damn it. But yeah, I had to take um, in my New York years when I was in my 20s and writing about sex for New York magazine. I had a, I took this like women's empowerment bodywork class and we had to name our vaginas and mine was named Lola Rascal. Hmm. That's a good vagina She's name. Lola Rascal. That's cute. Yeah. It's like Lola's a very pretty name and then yeah. Rascal is just like kind of feisty. Yeah. She's like a tomboy who like wears like overalls with like one overall not oh, hooked. Oh, yeah. She's like a cute little rascal, but yeah. she's like very good looking, but she's like wearing overalls to throw right, right, off right. the scent. Yeah, it's like that horrible like thing in every script that's like, <laughs> she's beautiful, but she doesn't know it. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, okay, so that night, Charlotte and Trey are supposed to trade off sharing sexual fantasies. Charlotte does it no problem, but yet again, Trey cannot. He asks her to just accept that he is not that sexual of a person, and he angrily goes to sleep. Over at her place, Wade and Carrie get up to some parents-free making out. Everything's going great until Carrie's phone rings. It's Wade's mom, who needs to know if Wade gave the dog his medicine. It is not hot, and the whole mood is wrecked. Hours later, Charlotte gets woken up by what she thinks are Trey's sobs from the bathroom. She didn't mean to hurt him, so she heads in to help. Only the man does not need comfort. He's in there cranking it to Jugs magazine. They unpack the whole thing at counseling where Trey explains that he does not read Jugs for, well, the Jugs. It's a tension release thing, but maybe it's a tension release thing that Trey could include include charlotte in such a fucking burn mm. at her office miranda has another braces issue some coworkers laugh while she's speaking in a meeting and she assumes it must be at her when she asks them what's so funny they explain that a typo was but her anxiety confirms it the braces have got to go and charlotte solves the tray masturbating issue by taping wedding photos of herself all over his jugs she's a part of a sex life after all so yay charlotte that is so funny yeah and sad and funny it's so sad samantha oversees jenny's bat mitzvah which goes great she does have a beat where she advises jenny and her friends to wait on sex until they're older but it doesn't really land Carrie and Wade hang out at his place smoking weed and eating KFC. When they have a high chicken fight, some of it goes over the balcony and hits Wade's parents' car. Wade might be in trouble. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. It's okay. It's okay. No, it's not okay. My parents said that if they cut me smoking pot in the house again, I'd have to sleep on a cot in the comic book store. Wait, Wade. What? Stop. What? The chicken wings. If they see billions of chicken wings, they're... They're gonna know. We were smoking the pot. Fuck the fucking chicken wings, man. Where'd we put the fucking pot? Wait. You're home. Early. Hi. Is that marijuana I smell? No. No, no, no ma'am. Oh, God, no. Carrie's spiraling. Then what is this? Your father and I told you if you ever brought marijuana into this house again... Carrie brought it. I couldn't believe it. Power Lad would never have ratted me out like that. Is that true, Carrie? Did you bring marijuana into this house? There comes a time in everyone's life when you have to take responsibility for yourself. A time when I, like Jenny Breyer, had to stand up and say to the world, Today, I am a woman. Yes, Mrs. Adams. I brought the marijuana into the house. 
and I'm taking it with me when I go. Oh, shit. I love that Carrie's full on spiraling. It's like she destroyed her relationship. She was sleeping with her ex that's married. And now she's just like fucking middle fingers up. Just like this is a fun show. But this is like this is like a nervous breakdown. Yeah. I mean, I think that this episode, I I was talking to Skylar about this a little bit. This episode is one of my least favorite And I couldn't really pinpoint why because a lot of fun stuff happens. But I think the fact that this guy is just like a straight up loser. A hundred percent. And he sucks in so many ways. And it's weird that Carrie isn't even discerning that he sucks. Like, honestly, the only reason that they stop seeing each other is because of this like situation with the marijuana. But up until that point, she's really game. And, you know, the episode's called like Hot Child in the City. And she's just kind of like living it up. And like she's feeling youthful, even though she's in her 30s. And she's kind of like being a big kid. But I don't know why. It just bums me out. And I think that the Wade, Wade character feels very real. And it is one of the biggest like bummer personalities like you and I've talked about how we're not big we're not really into weed culture no and by the way I'm not like pot shaming it's more like that kind of person where it's like part of their identity to such a degree I always just and also not just that it's one thing if that's your identity and like whatever you're killing it you're successful da 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 and it's also like he lives with his parents and like I don't know. He's just a bummer. The whole thing is 100%. a bummer. It just yes. it just is. Yeah. So I'm very I'm not into Wade. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's th- this show's so interesting because it's a comedy, but it also has a lot of drama elements. And even though all of this is played for jokes with the parents getting busted, I think there's a lot of sadness to this even dalliance. Like, Agreed. But I kind of like that because it's like, yeah. When people hit rock bottom, they do really weird things and they regress. And, and they this do... is the most fun way to show a rock bottom yeah, because it still feels fun. But now that we're like scratching the surface, we're like, actually, if this were your life, like if you, Rose, were dating a Wade, I'd be like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's like. Carrie's having quote unquote fun and fucking around, but it's embarrassing what she's doing. They're throwing chicken wings off the balcony. Like, what are we doing? I like this, though. The more we talk about it, the more I like it, because, you know, this show is so popular and so many people watched it, but it is kind of transgressive. It's like about a woman in her 30s who's like fucking losing it. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's what I like about it. That is what's. Yeah, I agree. And it also feels very real to go from big to Aiden to Wade like it's such a not a decline but it is but to contrast yeah I guess it is and to contrast like if Big ever met Wade like met Carrie on the street with Wade Big would be like oh like this girl has fallen so far yeah because it's like in some ways Carrie's addicted to men and so it's like if you were addicted to drugs and all of a sudden you were going from like buying like expensive, beautiful cocaine to like something creepy on the street that like you've never even tried before. It's like right. Carrie can't be alone. She has to have a man in her life. And it's funny. She almost needs it more than Charlotte. They Char- all they all need it. Charlotte talks about it the most, but Carrie needs it the most. Like Carrie can't function alone a day. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't really think about that. Yeah. She might not talk about it. Right. But it definitely. But you're right. Yeah. Like the fact that like. 
if somebody didn't have a codependent love addict nature, they wouldn't have to fill their time with Wade. You just wait until somebody better came along. But if you need to always have a man in your life, then you'll like date a weird stoner that lives with his parents, which most people would be like, no, I think I'll just like, wait a second. Yeah. Cause like even Samantha, does Samantha have a dude this episode? No. Right. No, she's no, the bar mitzvah thing. Yeah. She's yeah, the bar mitzvah. mitzvah yeah. yeah. With young cat Dennings. Yes. With young cat Dennings. Um, okay. Well, Oh, I did want to flag oh, yes. too. Skylar has done some investigating. Ooh. Wade, Wade. Wade is very strange. He's he's played by a man named Kane Peterson. This is the one credit that Kane Peterson has. Wow, one he and never done, acted. Kane. Never acted again. Yeah, and he's a good actor. He's he was. Good. He's good. Yeah, he's good as Wade. It's very convincing. Yeah, it's. But yeah, he's like a he's like a radio host in New York. It's like such a strange. To, to land a kind of big arc on a Sex and the City episode. Yeah, it's in, on the biggest show. Yeah, I'm like so intrigued like what the decision making was to go into it and then like it's not <sighs> Maybe a... Maybe he knew someone yes. on the show and they're mm. like, oh my God, this character is my friend. Yeah, that could knows. be. Um, okay, well, the episode closes with Carrie, Miranda, and Samantha burning some of Wade's lost weed back at Carrie's place. Goodbye, Wade, you strange comic book man. And this brings us to the question of the episode. Were Jenny Bryer and her friends dressed like 30-something-year-old women? Or were we trying to look like teenagers? One of us was sending over Dom Perignon while another was tooling around New York on a scooter. When you're a teenager, all you want to do is buy beer. But once you hit 30, all you want to do is get carded. I wondered, in today's youth-obsessed culture, are the women of my generation growing into mature, responsible adults? Or... Are we 34 going on 13? We're 34 going on 13. Absolutely. I have never dressed younger. I wear... I totally agree. I feel the same way. Oh, my God. The other... I have, like, a bunch of different kinds of styles, but sometimes I dress like Justin Bieber at his rock bottom where I'm wearing, like, a funky Hawaiian shirt and Vans and, like, socks that go up halfway. I look I, like a fucking same. drug dealer from Florida. Like, yeah. I dress crazy now. Yeah, same. <laughs> That's also... I might have said this on the podcast before, but... Uh, the stylist that I work with sometimes she told me that everything is in style right now Ooh, that's I thought that was really interesting I and I'm like that. I think that's so true because there isn't anything I won't wear at this point like I will I'll rock crazy socks I'll wear a weird sweatshirt pants skinny jeans not skinny jeans low rise high rise like there's no discerning I'll just I do it all I love that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think that I think that you hit a stride in your 30s. It is a form of confidence where you're kind of owning all the things that you wish you had owned when you were younger. So it is kind of like a second wave of youthfulness, like a do-over. And I, I feel that. I feel that a lot. I think that I take risks that I wish I had taken when I was younger Same. now. 100%. Yeah. You, it just takes time to get there. I'm into it. I think it's just... I think it's important to have that like vibrancy, openness, enthusiasm of being a younger person and yeah. the sense of play and playfulness. I think totally. that's all good. And I, I totally. think that the uh, I think it's also good to be responsible and be an adult. But I think I think you need to balance. It's like the yin. I'm always going to do the pretent pretentious yang, mm -hmm. yin yang because someone corrected me. So now I'll never oh, say God. yin yang Yeah, anymore. you can't unhear that. Yeah. But anyway, um, I I think that there's some really beautiful things about being a young, innocent kid and also being older. And it's like, I think a really tricky balance of playing with like adventure and spontaneity and like play and also, you know, not being a Wade and just like pissing your life away. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, 
Sex and the City is obviously a very horny show, so we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for? Um, I famously find out about things like really late, like mm. decades late, or get into things way later. Mm. I just am getting into Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. I think it's like the funniest thing ever. And it is. I think Larry David gives me so much hope that the fact that, that he's 72 and he's never been funnier. And no one thinks of him as 72. Yeah. Like no one's really putting a number on him. He's really old. He's yeah, like a really totally. old person. And he's so hilarious. And Susie Essman is a oh my God. fucking powerhouse. genius. Powerhouse. Yeah. It's really inspiring. I, I hope that there's opportunities like that for women because... He really gets to do whatever he wants and goes swing so far. And I I hope that like Tracy Ullman types or I hope like Ab Fab that like when this generation of female comics and, you know, this generation, I'm including myself and Jamie and everybody who's writing and acting. I hope that when we're in our 70s, we are still given a chance to be able to be that funny. I think it'll be even better by the time we're there. I think so. I hope so. What about you, James? Um, I am so horny for um, this reality show on Netflix that I'm sure a lot of you are watching or have watched um, called Love is Blind. It is just it is the best reality show I've ever seen. I also want to be clear. I have not really I've seen a little bit of The Bachelor, um, but I, I haven't I don't know why I haven't really watched it. It is weird because I would definitely love it. But from what I've seen of The Bachelor, I think this show is even better. And the concept is that people, the, the so whatever, they, they get a group of guys and girls and they go on dates in these things called pods where they can hear each other, but they can't see each other. So they get to know each other completely blind based on just their personalities. And then eventually they end up proposing to each other in the pods they still haven't seen each other and they're proposing and then they finally do get to see each other and then we get to see like is it going to work out when they bring like the physicality to it are they actually physically attracted to each other does it matter because they've developed such an intense emotional connection it is just the juiciest I cannot stop watching it I cannot wait Love our podcast, but cannot wait to be done and go home and watch this. Like, truly, it's so fucking good. You would love it. I can't wait. I'm obsessed with all the stuff like that. Oh, it's so good. And the music cues are so good. I'm editing my show right now, so I'm very, like, interested in, like, reality show cues. And I'm like, oh, and it's all, like, you know, uh, whatever. Um, like, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, li- like uh, free music, like library music. It's all these like songs. Chapel kind of thing. Yeah, it's all, it's like no, like it's all songs that are just written like for the show um, because they can't get music clearance because it's very expensive. And so I'm very interested in just all of it. I can't and wait to watch it. They also do a good job of like not making it feel too edited. You know, how a lot of reality shows, it's like so obviously like, okay, Produced they put a lot of, yeah, which is fine. Like they do some major surgery in the edit, but with this one, I can see where they've done it, but it still feels pretty real. Like they haven't chopped it up too much. So yeah, love it. Love, love is blind. Big can't fan. wait to watch. I can't recommend it more. James. Rose. I was going to do roses. Roses. You pluralized yeah. my name. Yeah. Roses, um, roses. Another great episode. Another great episode. Another great hang. And uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Talk See soon. See you next week. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Ew, ew, ew.